Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. In week four of our James Faith in Action series, this week Mike Holland preaches on James 1, chapters 16 through 18, on the importance of seeing God for who he has revealed himself to be. So we've been going through the book of James, and I want to just recap a little bit what we've been learning in the last couple weeks, because it all ties very closely together. So the book of James is a letter Right? It was written by James, who was one of Jesus' brothers, and he's writing this letter specifically to the early church. So it's written in response to what he's been hearing. He's been hearing that there are wrong thinking about God, and I'm just setting my timer here. And, uh, and he, wants to, he wants to correct that. So what we've been talking about the last couple weeks is that uh, this life that we're living, the life that that the early church was living, it's going to be filled with trials and it's going to be filled with temptations, but that God is not the one who tempts us with evil. The evil, in fact, comes from our own desires. And he's telling the early church that when we're in the middle of hardship, that's when we're most easily deceived. And James is now going to show the flip side of the same coin. He's going to say, not only do we like to blame God or blame others for the evil that we experience in our lives, but we also like to take credit for all of the good things that we experience in our lives. And those things are both equally wrong, is what James is going to point out. And... uh, and, and he's, he's going to kind of go into a time where he's saying, look, you've been thinking wrongly about God, and I'm going to remind you who God is. And that's kind of where we're going to pick up reading from James chapter 1, starting at verse 16 and going through 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So we're going to pull this apart together. We're going to go verse by verse. We're actually, a lot of going to take just half of a verse and then the second half of the verse so that we can really try to understand exactly what James was saying to the early church and what God has for us to hear today. So verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. The word, it says do not be deceived. It could also be translated to stop being deceived. He's saying you are being deceived. You are thinking wrongly about God and it's messing you up. You need to think rightly about God. He's saying that when you go through trials, you're especially vulnerable to deception. You're vulnerable to being deceived. But stop. I know that you are experiencing troubles and trials, but you need to continue thinking rightly about God. And he refers to to the congregation as beloved brothers, which is a very typical way that a pastor would speak to those that he cares about, to those people that he loves, those people that he's invested in because he has personal contact with them. I think another way to say it, how we might say it today is, I love you too much to let you get this wrong. I think that's why we would say it because I know that's what my wife says to me. (laughs) I love you too much to let you think wrongly 
about this situation. And what he's talking about is, God, I love you too much to let you get this wrong. You need to think right about God. We need to know who God is, not as we want him to be, but as he's revealed himself to be in the Bible. And the problem I think that that we have so often is that as people, all of our perceptions are, are rooted in our experience. So the way that we see the world and the way that we see the God who created this world is all rooted in our own experience. And what we're experiencing is trials. And we're experiencing temptations. And we're experiencing sorrow. And we're experiencing disappointment. And we're experiencing shame. And that shapes how we view God. Because when we think of God in our own hearts, we try to create God in our own hearts, and it's not rooted in Scripture. It ends up being more of a reflection of us. It's more of a likeness of us and all the mess that we're going through than it is the likeness of the God in heaven, the God of the Bible. So if you're following along, if you're a note taker, you can pull out your, your bulletin. Um, the first point we have here, coming from verse 16, is what you think about God is the most important thing about you. If we could fully extract what any one of us truly thinks about God, you could use that to perfectly predict the spiritual future of any of us. Because what we think about God is the predictor of how we are going to respond to God, how we are going to view ourselves, how we are going to respond to other people. What you truly think about God is the most important thing about you. And letter A going with number one is a wrong image of God is a false God. And when we shape God in our hearts and and in our minds based on our experiences and not based on Scripture, and we worship that God that is more a likeness of us than of the true God, then we're in fact worshiping a false God. And James is telling the church, I love you too much to let you get this wrong. Some of you guys may remember there was a book that came out probably 15, if not 20 years ago, called The Purpose Driven Life. Um, And then there are probably a lot of you who have never heard of the book The Purpose Driven Life. What it was is it was a, a book that was designed, you could give it to someone who maybe has no relationship with God, knows nothing of God, and it's going to walk them through the very beginning and start showing the characteristics of God and start showing you scripture and saying, here is who God is and here is how God loves you and here is how God wants to use you for his purpose, which is in fact going to be the best possible thing for you. So I was given a copy of this book, and being that I grew up in a Christian family and raised, was raised in the church, and it was given to me by a Christian friend, I didn't think, awesome, this is going to be the best thing for me. I got really offended, because it's called The Purpose Driven Life, and it's a Christian book. So what I got from that is, one, you think I'm a bad Christian, 
And two, you think that my life has not amounted to anything yet, and there's no signs that it's going to amount to anything in the future. So you're giving me this book so that I can finally find some purpose. Um, so I was offended, so I didn't read it. I put it on a shelf or in a box or under my bed or something. And then I was given another copy of The Purpose Driven Life and another copy of The Purpose Driven Life. And every time, like, I just dug my heels in. And I was getting so angry. How dare you give me this stinking book? Like, I know who God is. But I was thinking wrongly about God. Finally, the last copy of The Purpose Driven Life that I was given was by my brother and his wife. And for what God was doing in my life, taking me through trials, he finally brought me to a point of a little bit of maturity. And what I finally heard wasn't, hey, you're a bad Christian, and hey, your life is going nowhere. I finally heard, I love you too much to let you get this wrong. That's, that's what people have been trying to tell me. See, last time I preached, I told you I cried. <laughs> And if you want to go through some trials and temptations, plan a sermon on how trials and temptations are a good gift. (laughs) And it's going to hit you. But I love you too much to let you get this wrong, is what people were telling me. And that is exactly what James is telling the early church. Let's move past the crying and move on to verse 17. The first half of verse 17 It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God is the author of good. That's the second point in our bulletin. God is good. And we're going to go through three characteristics of God that I feel like James points out in this very small passage. So God is good. And letter A, trials that result in our spiritual maturity are good gifts. And that is not something that's easy to hear when you're in the middle of it. Because it doesn't feel good when you're in the middle of trials and when you're in the middle of temptation. But when the result is spiritual maturity, when God carries you through the trial and you come out the end closer to God, that is a good and perfect gift. Gifts that that we receive friendship at the right time can be a perfect gift. Being in a point where you maybe don't know where, where the money is going to come from to pay a bill or to pay rent. And somehow through an avenue that you were not expecting, it just it shows up. That is a good gift. And that good gift is rooted in God because God is the author of good. When you give a gift, whether it's smiling at someone at the right time, or maybe you know someone who they can't pay their bills, and you help them out, you give them a gift. Good for you, yes, for being a good person and for loving, but the good gift that you're giving is still rooted in God, because God is the author of good. So gifts that we receive, gifts that we give. Last week, Pastor Brittany mentioned Satan tempting Eve in the garden. And and how did he tempt her? He tempted her by getting her to think wrongly about God. 
and to doubt his goodness. When he's tempting her, he, he tells her, essentially, God has something good that he's holding back from you. And if God is holding back something good, how can he himself possibly be good? And he shaped her mind. And she was thinking wrongly about God. And that trial, that temptation, she didn't make the right choice. And letter B is ultimately... James is speaking of the free gift of salvation. And I want to read from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. You don't have to flip to it because it's going to pop up right there. Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find it. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives And the one who searches finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. What man among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So evil originates in man, but good originates in God. And all through the scripture, the Bible shows that God is giving good gifts to his people. All undeserving, but he is the author of good. Continuing in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Father of Lights, um, in, in the time that, that this text was written, would have been also could have been translated as Father of Creation, the Father of Lights, the heavenly lights, the sun, the moon, the stars. And Father points to two things. One, creative power, um, a saying that we have that gets used a lot these days is that uh, necessity is the mother of invention. When you need, you need it, it, there's an authority there of, of creating, of giving birth to something. And Father is the same way. The Father of creation, it shows that God loves to create. And after he created everything, he said, it is good. He delights in creating. But also, Father points to a tender caring. And this is another place where I think so many of us can get, can get messed up because our, our perceptions are rooted in our experiences. Now, I happen to be super blessed to have a good father. And it's easy for me to view God as a good father and understand that that means that he wants to give me good gifts and that he loves me and that he's there for me and that his hand will always be on me wanting to protect me even after I've grown or I think that I'm mature. It's easy for me to see God that way because that was and is my experience. But we don't all have that experience. But it's important that we think rightly about God because he is a good father. And again, James is saying, I love you too much to let you get this wrong. The God who created every planet and every star is the same God that gives good gifts and perfect gifts to his children. 
Point number three in our bulletin is that God is unchanging. God is unchanging, and it's really important that we get away from the idea that we can do something to make God do something. God is unchanging. There's not, there's not a thing that we can do to make Him change who He is or shift who He is. Letter A, if you're continuing to follow in, in the bulletin outline, God does what He does because He is who He is. Again, going back to the Father of Lights, I think a perfect example is is to use the sun. The sun is constant. The sun is measurable. It gives us light. It gives us a perfect amount of light, right? Because God is a perfect creator. It gives us a perfect amount of heat. Or we may argue in the last couple of weeks that maybe a little too much heat. But the sun doesn't change. Yet we have day and we have night. We talk about the sun rising and the sun falling, but the sun doesn't really rise and the sun doesn't really fall. We live on an earth that's rotating. So our perception of the sun changes because we experience light and we experience dark, but the sun stays the same. We might be going through a cloudy day where the sun just kind of pokes through at different times of the day. But the sun doesn't change. Or we might experience a stormy day where we don't see the sun at all. But the sun doesn't change. And it's the very same that's true about God. God doesn't change. God is constant. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We're going to go through trials and we're going to go through temptations. But God doesn't change. We're going to have stormy times in our lives where we feel like we just can't see God. And then there's going to be blazing hot days where we just can't even handle how much of God we're seeing because the goodness is just overwhelming. But God doesn't change. It's our perception of Him that changes. In verse 18... The first half, it starts, it says, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Of his own will. There's nothing we can do to make God do something. Everything that he does is of his own will. Everything he does is because he is who he is. He does what he does because he is who he is and he doesn't change. So all of the good gifts and the perfect gifts that we have are from an unchanging God who just delights in giving us good gifts. God was not pressured in any way to give us the free gift of salvation. And he will care for us through every trial that we go through. God is full of of grace is number four. Now we think of of grace and and mercy as being kind of two different things. Um, 
we're looking at the character, the unchanging character of God. I believe the grace and mercy, they're the same thing when they're coming from God. But the way we receive them, we receive them as two different things, right? The mercy is the not, not giving us uh, what we deserve, right? We, we don't deserve the free gift of salvation. And not giving us what we deserve is, is his mercy. And, and his grace is bestowing something upon us that we don't deserve, that free gift of salvation. So they're very much the same thing coming from God, but we receive them in two different, in two different ways. But God is full of grace. We did nothing to cause him to send his son to die, to conquer death, and to rise again so that we could be reunited with God. Because we as sinful people, we broke the connection with God. And there is nothing that we could do to get it back. There's nothing we can do today or tomorrow or ever to get it back. It's the grace of God that offered us Jesus Christ as our salvation, our Savior, our mediator, the one who can connect us back with God. But it means that we have to accept that good and perfect gift. Letter A uh, under, under number four, God is full of grace, is that God chose you. And I want to read from Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And again, it'll come up on the screen. We have also received an inheritance in him, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to his glory. So we talked about God. God doesn't change. God has not changed. He always has been, always will be, and will forever be. And this verse, I think, brings up a good point, is that our, our saving grace has always been through Jesus. If we read through the Old Testament, God showed his grace. The word grace is used in the Old Testament because God does not change. God showed grace to Noah and his family in saving them on the ark. God tells Moses that he has found grace in the sight of God. So in the Old Testament, the grace that was found through Jesus Christ, they were looking forward. They didn't know exactly that it was Jesus, but they knew a Messiah was coming. And through faith, they put their hope in Christ Jesus, knowing that he was going to come to be the one that grace could flow out to them. And now today, we look back at Jesus Because Jesus is how God's grace flows out to us. But God hasn't changed. Grace has always been in place and has always been through Jesus. Both before Jesus being born, dying for our sins and resurrecting, and after. Because there is no change in God. Not only does God choose you, But letter B, God established the way. God chose you 
to be saved. And God established the way that he was going to offer you this saving grace. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love you too much to let you get this wrong, is what he's saying. I am the free gift, this good and perfect gift from a good and unchanging God who is full of grace. Accept me because I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to my Father except through me. I love you too much to let you get this wrong. So I want to go ahead and invite the worship team back up. And, and as, as they come up, we're going to finish. We're going to go through verse 18. And I want to offer you some, some questions, something to, to think about as we go through our week. So verse 18, it said, Of his own will we brought, uh, brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a kind of first fruits of his creation. Through Jesus' death and conquering death and rising again, you were saved for God's purpose. If you accept Jesus and the good gift of salvation, then you were saved for God's purpose. Are you living your life that way? Am I living my life that way? I know it hasn't always been the case, and I've got several copies of The Purpose Driven Life to prove it. Are you living your life according to God's purpose for you? Because he saved you for a purpose. And he has every right to use you how he wants for his purpose. And if we're a part of first fruits, that also means that there is more fruit to come. In, in the Old Testament, when it talks about offering, and Elder Dale talked about offering People were told to give your first fruits. Before you even go and harvest, you need to know that you are giving your first fruits to God. Before you even get your paycheck, the proper way to think, the proper way to view God and what he's telling you is that you're already giving that portion to God that he's asked for. That is thinking correctly about God and how he has revealed himself in Scripture and what he reveals to us in Scripture, what his commands are based on his purpose for our life. So are you bringing others to know God? Are you bearing fruit? And are you bringing other people to bear fruit? I'm going to read John 15, 16, if it, if it pops up. But are you bringing other people to Christ? Are you introducing them to this loving, good, unchanging, and graceful God so that they can bear fruit as well? John 15, 16 says, you did, not, uh, I, you did not choose me, but I chose you 
is what God is saying. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Jesus is saying, my time has come. I came, I lived, I died for you, I conquered death, and now it's time for me to go take my place in heaven. But you and your fruit is going to remain here. And you're going to go through trials, and you're going to go through temptations, and you're going to go through hardships, and shame, and disappointment, because you have to stay here in this imperfect fruit, but in this imperfect world, but your fruit stays with you. Keep bearing fruit, and keep bringing other people to know me. So James is talking to a congregation that he loves, that he cares about, a group of people that he knows intimately and that he has strong feelings for. And he's telling them, I love you too much to let you get this wrong. There are people in your life that you love, that you care about, that because you love and you listen to them, you hear what they have to say, you know them, you know what's in their heart. Maybe you know that they're thinking wrongly about God. Maybe they need to be reminded of the characteristics of God, that He is good, that He is unchanging, that He is full of grace, and the many more characteristics of God that He reveals in His Scripture. Are you telling the people that you love and care about, I love you too much to let you get this wrong? Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.